Well, good morning. So good to see all of you this morning. My name is Jared Ballinger, but before, before we get started in talking about Destiny Rescue or anything of the work that we do, just uh, can we just pray um, and just um, ask the Lord? Obviously, when we walked in the room, the Lord met us in this room because when we walk in, he also walks in with us. So Father, we just, we're so grateful for your love, your kindness, your mercy, and your grace. Jesus, we worship you with everything we have, everything that we do. We give it all to you. We surrender all to you. And Father, as I talk on behalf of over the million children living in human trafficking and sexual exploitation, as I talk on their behalf, Father, that you would help the congregation to see you through it and see the freedom and hope that can be offered to these children. Father, give this congregation open hearts, open minds, and open ears to what is happening around the world and how the church can rise up to help these kids. Father, we love you, Lord, and it's in your mighty, precious name we pray. Amen. My name is uh, Jared Ballinger. Um, I don't have um, a little bit of a southern twang like Brian Woodall does, but I know we sound very much alike. And so I, I made a joke. I was like, I should have just had him come up here. I could have stayed down there, talked, and let him just mouth everything I was saying. But Brian Woodall is my cousin. I'm so grateful for uh, my Uncle David and Aunt Pam being here as well. Um, but also, I just, I'm a firm believer in giving honor to whom honor is due. Amen. And I believe that, I just, there are a couple of people that I need to just talk to really quickly and just say thank you. Obviously, Pastor Tracy and Darlene, thank you so much for saying yes to God's calling and being here and lifting up this congregation. Um, it's a powerful thing when a local church can do things locally and globally and make that impact, um, the impact that Jesus has called us to go and make. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here, giving you honor to you, appreciate you. And then also, um, you guys hear from him, you just heard from him a minute, but Elder Jim, I'm so grateful for you. Um, I've known you since like 2005 is I think when my dad, the first time he came out to that church in Columbus. And so, so grateful for you and the wisdom that you gave me as a small teenage boy that was girl crazy. And he kicked me out of the dance team a couple times. And so I'm just, I'm grateful for you, Elder Jim. And, and, uh, and you brought her up and I'm, I was always so grateful for Donna as well. So just love you. Thank you so much and appreciate you as well. So my name is Jared Ballinger. Obviously you heard that Billy Ballinger is my dad. I get the privilege of traveling with him sometimes and getting to talk about Destiny Rescue while he does the music. I promise you I won't break out in song today. Um, that is not the gift that God has given me. But what I believe that God has given me is a um, ability to, to bring forth God's word, but also talk about how we can rescue kids in the process. Um, first and foremost, I want to highlight the name of Jesus real quick. We sing about it, we hear about it, but do we truly understand as the body of Christ, do we truly understand that there is power in the name of Jesus? You see, we... We go through life and we sing it and we, we hear it and we, we understand the, yeah, yeah, we can speak Jesus. We hear these songs about speaking Jesus over situations and, 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 and laying hands on people in the name of Jesus and, and things like that. But understanding the true power of the name of Jesus, because if there was no power, my dad said this one time and it's always stuck with me. 
If there's no power in the name of Jesus, then why is the world trying so hard to stop us from proclaiming the name of Jesus? If there's no power in it, then just let us be and let us do what we're doing and don't bother us. But the issue is, is the world understands that there is power in the name of Jesus and they know that when we speak the name of Jesus, the enemy cannot stay present. The enemy must flee at the sound of the name of Jesus. You see, it says, it says in Psalm 23 that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they protect me. When I say for you are with me, we're talking, talking to the Lord. You are with me. He's with us in the valley, just like he's with us on the mountaintop. When things are going great, he's with us. And he's still with us when we're going through some of the darkest moments of our life. And sometimes when we're in the valley, we don't even, we, we feel like we can't even utter the name of Jesus because things are just so dark around us. The church, I, I'm, I am here to tell you today, depression, anxiety, these are real things that people struggle with. And it is a darkness that is not of God. Because darkness cannot be of God. And it's a very dark world. And when, we, when we're going through these things, we, we want to say, we just want out of it. So we, we don't know what to say. So we say Jesus, and that's great. And Jesus will get us out of it. He will be there for us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is always there for us. Amen? But sometimes we're going through life And we feel like we can't even utter the name of Jesus because it's just so dark and we're in such a dark place. And maybe there's somebody in this room that is going through that darkness right now. You see, and and that's why I wanted to talk about this before I get into Destiny Rescue and talk about what God has brought me here to talk about is the power of the name of Jesus. It says in Mark 16, it says, it says, he who believes... And is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They, they is us. We believe, right? We believe in this room. We believe in Jesus. Believe that he died for our sins, rose from the dead. It says right here, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It says all of that by using his name. The name of Jesus. So when we feel like we can't even utter the name of Jesus, we don't know what to do, we're going through these dark, dark, dark moments, and we feel like we can't even utter his name. Have we all heard the name from the Old Testament? Yahweh. Yahweh's original spelling is Y-H-W-H. Maybe you've seen it on on shirts or hats or different things like that. Y-H-W-H is Yahweh. Because that, that original spelling, they didn't even know where to put the vowels at. And even if they did know where to put it, it was just too sacred of a name to be spoken. But listen to this. Have you ever tried to pronounce Y-H-W-H? Just Y-H-W-H? 
when I try to f- pronounce it, this is what it sounds like. Are you ready? This is what it sounds like. Y-H is W-H is So that means from the moment you were born, you have been proclaiming the name of Jesus without even realizing you've been proclaiming the name of Jesus by just breathing. So when we're going through the darkness, we're going through our trials, we're going, we feel like is the darkest valley we've ever been a part of. We know he is with us and we feel like we can't even utter the name of Jesus. I want you to just breathe. Just breathe because his presence is with you in that moment. It's what we, what we sing these songs, right? It says, it's your breath in my lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. So when we don't know what to say and we feel like we can't even say the name of Jesus, just breathe. And I promise you, he will always be there. We feel like we walk away from him so much, right? And we feel like the more we walk away, the farther away we get. But the moment we turn around, he's as close as he's ever been. Just like when Peter stepped out of the boat, was walking towards Jesus, had his eyes fixed on Jesus, and then the distractions of the world came. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. The Bible says he began to sink. I don't know about you, but when you've tried to, we all have tried it. Don't even lie. We've all tried to walk on water at some point in our life, right? And you sank like instantly. There is no beginning to sink. And it's because he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And the moment he cried out to Jesus, it says in the word, instantly, Jesus pulled him out of the water. So we could take our eyes off Jesus. We can do things that are not of God. We could be walking away. But the moment we call on the name of Jesus, he will be there. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Amen. So talking about the darkness and and going through trials and everything, I had the privilege of going and visiting a couple projects in Africa last year that Destiny Rescue has. And I'll be able to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But Um, first, I just want to go to the next slide and say, what does Destiny Rescue do? We rescue children from sexual exploitation and human trafficking and help them stay free. Destiny Rescue is an international Christian organization that rescues kids from human trafficking and helping them stay free. That help them stay free is a very, very important part because we can't just go into an area and rescue and say, all right, have a great life. We'll see you later. There has to be aftercare. There has to be aftercare just like in addictions. Or we all know there has to be aftercare. And once we're married, it is not all perfect, right? We, we have to have care through our marriage, through any situation. You have to care for that. And so when these girls and these boys are being rescued, we can't just say, all right, have a great life. There has to be something that takes place and for them to be able to live a life in freedom, which is what God intended for them in the first place. Um, $99 billion a year. $99 billion a year is spent on the commercial sex trade. That means $99 billion a year is spent on the abuse of human beings. It's um, $11 million an hour, which is over 60% 
of the $150 billion a year of human trafficking combined. That's child marriage, child labor, children's soldiers, different areas like that that human trafficking covers. $150 billion a year being spent on the abuse of human beings. Nike, Under Armour, and Disney combined doesn't even equal $150 billion a year. And that is what's being spent worldwide on trafficking. And these numbers right here should, should break the body of Christ's hearts. We should have broken hearts for this. There's at least 1 million children living in this exploitation. You know, we've, we've been hearing a lot about it this year. There was a movie that came out. There's, you know, people talking about it all over the place. And it's a lot of awareness is being raised about it. The rug's been pulled. They're like, hey, this is, this is happening everywhere. And I'm telling you, church, it happens everywhere. And awareness is being raised. The rug's been pulled. And that's great. Awareness is great. But at some point, awareness is just awareness. And it's got to take the church to be able to do something about the issue to say enough is enough. We need to rescue kids. Because God's kids should be free. See, I have a, I have a, a beautiful wife named Lauren. I wish they could be with me this morning. Beautiful wife named Lauren. And then I have a son, seven years old. His name is Liam. And then I have a five-year-old named Wrigley. And I love my children. And I would go to the ends of the earth to protect my children. Ends of the earth. So why wouldn't we, and I'm sure people in this room, go to the ends of the earth for your children. If that's true, then why wouldn't we as the body of Christ go to the ends of the earth for God's children? Because there's over at least a million, we know way higher than that actually. But at least one million children. And we believe that when the church rises up, kids find freedom. And Crossroads, you all are, are already doing things to help rescue kids. In July of 2022, my dad was here and there was a, I wasn't able to be here, but there was one, of my, one of my best buddies, his name is Corey, he was here and he got to talk about Destiny Rescue. And he asked for Rescue Partners, which is a gift of any amount per month, helps rescue, helps rescue a different child every single month. The reason we say helps rescue is what it does is when you're a monthly partner that is going into a pool, a rescue pool, and then Destiny Rescue is taking 1,500 here, 1,500 there to rescue a child, rescue a child, rescue a child. So you're helping rescue a different child every single month. Well, 15 rescue partners signed up that Sunday that they were here. And that was 15 months ago. So that means Crossroads has been a part of helping rescue 225 kids since July of 2022. See, that's amazing. And that is the calling that I believe God puts on his church is to go preach the gospel, rescue people. The best rescue story ever told was right here. Best rescue story ever told. And we firmly believe that God's children should be free. We work in uh, three different um, regions across the world. We work in Latin America, we work in Africa, and we also work in Asia. A total of 12 countries that we work in. 
And I understand the having to keep some things private and uh, like with the Operation Christmas Child is there's, there's a few of our countries that are undisclosed. Um, they can't know that we're there and we just don't tell people that we're there. We just want to rescue kids and make sure that they're free. And so we are in a few different countries in Africa though. And in Africa, it's, I love it because we're able to bypass any kind of issues and go directly to the kids and rescue directly off the streets in these villages. Because in Africa, there is no brothels. There's no, there's no um, pimps. There's no brothel bars or anything like that. Kids feel that they have no hope to where they resort to selling themselves to feed their family once every few days. They feel like they have no hope that they resort to that. And what we're able to do is we're able to go up and walk up straight to them and say, this is what we're able to offer you. We don't want you to live like this. You deserve to be free, not exploited, not by men in your community, not be abused by women and, and men in your community, but to be a child of God and live a free life. This is what you deserve. This is what we're able to offer. And it's so powerful because these kids, they don't want to do those things. So then they, when they hear of a better life, they say yes to that. And freedom takes place. And I was there in November of 2022 and, and, and was lo- I, I got to go out on rescue and be a part of that. And it was amazing. But in September of 2022, the girls that you're about to see a video in a second, it's a 30 second long video. The girls that were under this tent in, 20, in September were all being exploited and trafficked. This is November after two months of being in our aftercare and learning about God and learning how to do different vocational things and learning how to take care of themselves and learning their worth, that they're worthy of God's love and le- learning these things. This is them not even a full two months after being rescued. Would you just take a listen to this? That right there, they're they're singing, I know my God will make a way for me. He will make a way and I will go through. And then they sing it in their respected language. You couldn't see because we have to keep those things blurry for their privacy. There are a number of those children 12, 13, 14, 15 year old girls singing that song with little baby toddlers grabbing onto their mom's leg. Those children are experiencing freedom as well. But those children 
don't know who their dad is because it was a result of their mom being trafficked. And yet, all they know is they're experiencing true freedom now and have food and are able to provide for their families and live a life of freedom. What happens after they're rescued is we have put a freedom plan in place that is unique to each child that is rescued. And those things such as, as you can see, a safe bed, urgent health needs, um, economic empowerment and daily food, education or business training, trauma resilience training, spiritual growth. I know spiritual growth is listed as number six. It's obviously number one. Um, but we put a safe bed, number one, because right now and around the world, over a million kids are going to bed at night to work instead of sleep. And so a safe bed is a very important. Sorry, but a child's bed should be the safest place for them. And for over a million kids, it's not. And so making sure that we provide them with a safe bed and then urgent health care. As you could tell, years of being trafficked will take a big toll on these young girls' lives and boys. We rescued a two-year-old boy a year and a half ago. And his father was abusing him on video and selling the video online. Two years old. And we have a team that is able to do what we call cyber rescue, where they're, they were able to be undercover and plan a meetup to traffic the boy. But what the father didn't know was we were going to rescue the boy and arrest the father. And it went through and we, we were able to rescue this two-year-old boy. Just a month and a half ago, we rescued on the Nepal border. We have 24 border stations in Nepal with female rescue agents working at the border, rescuing right on the border. And we rescued a four-year-old girl that was about to be trafficked across the border. You see, it's nighttime. As I'm talking to you right now, it's nighttime in Thailand, Cambodia, Nepal, Philippines. It's nighttime there. It's getting into the late afternoon in Africa right now. So that means right now we have undercover rescue agents that are going in to some of the darkest places in the world and they're rescuing, as I am talking to you, they're rescuing on the street in the Philippines, they're rescuing in brothels in Cambodia and Thailand and and they're rescuing on the border in Nepal right now. And as you can see on the screen, we have a few different ways of how we do rescue is, is raid. And then covert, which is undercover operations. And then our border rescue in Nepal. You see, we, we see the movies, we hear about it. But I'm here to tell you, like, this is a very real thing. I, I stood there and got to look a girl in the eyes. If you don't mind putting that picture of me and, the, and, and Sarah on the screen. You can't see her face for her privacy, but I got to look in her eyes as tears came down her face telling us her story because Sarah doesn't know how old she is. 
She doesn't know where her village is. She doesn't know where any family's at. She was playing as a young child by the road in her village and a car came by, picked her up, and then dropped her off in a huge city hours away and abandoned her in the middle of the city. She found her as a young child, found her ways to an area that had a bunch of what they would call homes. And she found a woman that had three sons and she said, can I live with you? And the woman said, yes. But then she immediately started treating Sarah as the least of these, had to do everything. And then those three boys started what would be years of exploitation and trafficking Sarah. So we meet her in November of 2022 and got to share with her that we work for Destiny Rescue and we're here to re- rescue you. And our team that, 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 that is here in Africa, in Uganda, they want to rescue, they want to help you. We have a place for you to live. You'll have food. We'll be able to, you'll be able to uh, be a part of the church that we partner with. And, and she was thrilled, but at the same time, not. Because she, when she stepped into the vehicle with us to go to the church that we partner with, as you could imagine, what's going on in her mind is, here we go again. And we pulled up to the church, walked into the church, and it was like the moment she walked through the door of this church, it's like the power of God just, wham! Tears started coming down her face. And she realized in that moment, I'm free. I'm actually free. And I'm pleased to tell you, so that was November of 2022. Sarah, this past May, graduated the residential care program for Destiny Rescue. She learned how to be um, a hairstylist, how to do tailoring, different, different uh, occupational stuff that she could use. She moved in with a family that attends the church that is a good, born-again Christian family that loves the Lord. They love her, and she is now living a life of freedom. And she is a result of what churches, when they rise up for kids to find freedom, she's a result. Just like, not only is she a result, but since 2011, 13,000 individuals just like Sarah have found freedom and have been rescued through the efforts of Destiny Rescue since 2011. In 2022 alone, 3,144 individuals were rescued. This year, we are at over 2,000 rescues so far. And that's all because when the church rises up, kids find freedom. We go by a verse... We, we use this verse all the time. It's Psalm 82, verse 3 through 4. It says, Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. We can all agree in this room that trafficking and exploitation is not of God. It is a darkness in this world that's ran by evil people. And that verse right there says that we are supposed to deliver them from the grasp of evil people. 
So what is the king's criteria for his church? I don't have these verses for the screen, but if you would go to Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40. Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You see, from the beginning, from the beginning, God planned to bless his children. It says it right there, that we'll inherit the kingdom of God. So from the beginning, God planned to bless his children with the kingdom of God. But the good deeds commended in this book, in that, in that scripture right there, the good deeds that are commended there are not the root, but rather the fruit of their salvation. It's not the root, because we all know the root of salvation is surrendering all to Jesus and Jesus coming into our lives and changing everything about us. But the fruit of our salvation is loving others and the love that we should have for people. We're living in a world today that we don't really see a lot of that. We're told to love this certain group. And if you don't love this certain group, you don't love people at all. And if you do, then how can you be a part of this group and that group and this group? And I'm like, I just want to love people the way Jesus loved people and show them the love of Jesus and share with them what Jesus can do for them and watch Jesus transform their lives. Amen? And that's, that's what we as the body of Christ should want. Notice that Jesus doesn't ask us to simply help the deserving or the worthy. He speaks of the least of these, emphasizing the unity of the human family. We're all on the same playing field. We're all on the same level. The people that we pass on the streets, the people that are living in tents by the rivers, the people that are, the people that are living under bridges, are just as much loved by God than we are. Just as much as we are. And we are called to love one another. Amen? Also, would you go to Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 25 through 37? Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, it says, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correct, rightly. Do this, and you will live. 
But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Let me stop there for a second. The story should be over after that part because out of anybody, we would think that the priest helped the man. The end. But no, the priest decided to pass by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Okay, story over again, because that would be the second person that we would think would help the man that is wounded. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever money you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. That parable there, in my opinion, best illustrates what it means to love others. You see, because a follower of Jesus cannot love God, but hate their fellow human. You can't love God and dislike your fellow human. When I said we're all on the same field. We, we can have our preferences, right? But, but we're not called to, to hate people. We're called to love them and show them the mercy of God, just like the Good Samaritan showed mercy to a man that he probably didn't have anything in common with. But because he cared for human beings, he stopped and helped. It says in 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, true love Crossroads, true love translates into action. True love translates into action. So as I am, I'm married, I, I love my wife, but if I don't mow the lawn, do the dishes every once in a while, well, put them in the dishwasher, right? <laughs> but do those things, have some kind of action showing her with my works that, hey, I love you and I care for my family, then is, that, is there any love in that if I don't show with action, if I'm not loving her with action? You see, that's true love translates into action. The Good Samaritan man had compassion and proved with his action the love and mercy he had for fellow humans. Those who truly love others are willing to give of themselves in costly ways. You know, maybe that's maybe that costly way is spending the extra five minutes to go 
back to McDonald's, grab a double cheeseburger and give it to the homeless man that you see on the street that's hungry. That spending that money and, and helping the one that doesn't have clothes or honestly it's filling these shoe boxes and giving kids the best Christmas that they'll probably ever have by putting pencils in there and socks and soap and and coloring books. I'm telling you, I, maybe there's people in this room that have been there, but I, I've been into some of the worst places in Africa and I promise you, they love receiving these things and maybe it is taking that $10 for the shipping and the however much you spend to fill the box. Maybe that's that costly way for you this season. Or maybe it's well, I can't go to Africa and rescue a kid today, but I can take what the means that God has given me to rescue the child and give them hope and freedom. You see, the Good Samaritan story is great, and he bandaged him up and, and, and took care of him, cleaned him up, took him to an inn. And look, we, we all can't leave here today and go to the Indianapolis airport or the Louisville International Airport and jump on a plane and go to one of these countries that Destiny Rescue works in and start kicking down doors and rescuing kids. I'm sure there's some men in this room that are, that are ready to kick down doors. But we all just, we don't have the, we just can't just all jump on a plane and go do that right now. But the part of the Good Samaritan story of where he takes him to the innkeeper and says, here's money, and when this runs out, I'll be back with more. That part of the story is the part that I believe the church can play is saying, hey, hey, missionary, here's missions. Here's the Operation Christmas Child. Hey, Destiny Rescue, whatever organization you're passionate about is, hey, I can't go there, but here's this. And when this runs out, ask me and I'll give you some more. You see, that good Samaritan, him giving two denarii, that was a lot of money. Because I, I, I was doing a little bit of research on that story and, and listening to some other sermons about it and stuff. And people believe that two denarii would have equaled what, what an inn was costing in those days. It would have equaled up to 60 days at the inn. So that means, I mean, have you stayed in a hotel recently? It's expensive, right? So that means 60 days that, that guy was beat. If he was giving him two denarii and saying, hey, when this runs out, I'll be back with more, that means that dude was, was like dying. And the Good Samaritan took care of him. And when he couldn't take care of him any longer, he said, well, these are other means that I have that I can help. And that part right there, I believe the American church can play in changing the world. Because God has, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you've been in your life, but I promise you, you are blessed to be living in this country and having the things that we have and being able to just, if you're hungry, you can go to McDonald's or wherever you want to go. That's a blessing for us to be able to do and God has truly blessed us to do that, to live in this country.
But we are called to be good stewards of what God has given us. And I look at that going, yeah, we can, we can buy nice things for it. That's okay. Like, God blesses us. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to go and have fun, go on family vacation. But it's also okay to sacrifice a meal to help somebody on the street. It's okay to sacrifice a meal to go and be with people. Or, you know, it's okay to sacrifice a night and go and help at the soup kitchen or or if there's a rescue mission out this way, or, or anything like that, it's okay to sacrifice those nights because that is what God has given us to be able to sacrifice. We have the sacrifice to be able to go and help these people. We might not be able to jump on a plane and go and kick down doors, but what we can do is saying, hey, this is what God has blessed me with. I want to give this to you so that we can continue to rescue kids, or we can continue to give shoeboxes to kids, or we can continue to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give drink to those who are thirsty. It says it right there in Matthew. It says it right there in Luke. And that right there is true love translating into action. So those who truly love others are willing to give of themselves in costly ways. The only Jesus most people, we've all heard it, right? The only Jesus that most people will ever see is the Jesus that lives on the inside of you. It's the only Jesus we may ever see. People may ever see is the one that lives inside of you. It says in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love for others is not just an option. It is the way that, that, that people see Jesus and his followers. If I have love for one another, it is the way that they will see Jesus on, on the inside of me if I'm willing to sacrifice my time, sacrifice finances to be able to possibly change the world. So what part does the church play in changing the world? Because I already told you, the best rescue story ever told is in this. And it says in Matthew what to do. It says in Psalm 82 what to do. To rescue the poor and orphan, right? To deliver them from the grasp of evil people. What part does the church play in changing the world? Because we've all heard the, the Great Commission, all right? I mean, the Great Commission abbreviated from Master's Commission days is to know God and to make Him known. You know? But that's, that's the great, to know God and to go and make Him known because He said, go out, preach the gospel to every living creature, share the name of Jesus with them, their lives will be changed. Just like what Jesus did at the woman, to the woman at the well. All he did was show up at the well and ask her for a drink of water. And that resulted in her life changing and then many lives in Samaria changed because he decided to sacrifice his afternoon, sit at that well, and give her a chance to have living water rather than just a drink of water. 
So what part does the church play in helping the world? What, char- what part do we play in changing the world? We play the gospel. That's what we play. Because from the front to the back, it says, go preach the gospel, change people's lives, show them who Jesus is, and he will help you change their lives. He will give you the words to say. We all, we all are called to ministry. Every single one of us in this room are called because it says it right there, to go. He has called us to go, 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 go. Whether that means working at a factory, a warehouse, um, at, a, at a fast food restaurant, at a main restaurant, at a church, any occupation, you are still working for Jesus and doing the work that God has called you to do. Is to go and make disciples. We, we play the gospel and we are called to live in a way which testifies of God in his everlasting love for humanity. Understanding the king's criteria and living it out, we can make a difference right now from where we are at. Because the impact of rescuing a child today can cause a ripple effect in the lives that are still trapped in exploitation. We saw it firsthand when we were out rescuing and we got to rescue Sarah. We rescued a few others that day as well. And When we got there, a bunch of the girls that were living in the residential care facility actually met us in the slums where these people are living and these kids that were about to be rescued were able to see the freedom that has already taken place by the girls that met us there from the residential care. And that caused a ripple effect in more girls going, how do I experience that? Because right now, five, six, seven times at night, I'm being abused. How do I experience the freedom that you're willing to give me? And you see, we're able to offer them physical freedom. But we know that the ultimate freedom is their spiritual freedom. Because we can rescue them, but the ultimate rescue comes when they proclaim the name of Jesus over their lives. I want to tell you a quick story before I wrap up. Her name is Tala, beautiful girl, beautiful girl um, from one of the countries that we rescue. And Tala was growing up in church, was part of the children's ministry at her small village church, had a great life. Her dad had a good job. Her dad ended up getting sick, losing his job, and they didn't know what to do. Now, Tala's only 12 or 13 at this time. And she goes, well, I'll find a job and I'll take care of the family. Well, she hears about this amazing job in a area pretty far away from home. And so she's like, I'm going to go and take this job and I'll be able to send money back to you. She heard that this job was just an amazing opportunity. She went to go take that job. And as we all know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. She was deceived and that wasn't a job at all. It was fake. And she was immediately sold into trafficking. You see, this would, what would, this would be what would start months of every day having to work in a brothel bar and do anything that the customers asked her to do. Months of it. But let me remind you, she grew up in church. So every day, Tala would, be pray, would pray every morning, God, get me out of this. Get me out of this. I want out of this. I want rescued. Send somebody to rescue me. And months months of her praying this and praying this until one night 
a team of our undercover rescue agents, happened to be visiting the brothel that she was working in. And in that brothel, one of our rescue agents, because when we go into those, I need to explain this part real quick. When we go into those areas, we can't break cover. We have our agents, thankfully I haven't had to do this, but our agents have to say some of the most awful, disgusting things so that it doesn't tip anybody off that, hey, they're not here to actually be customers. So our rescue agent, because we're building a case though that we could take to law enforcement and do a raid with the law enforcement because the law enforcement says, hey, we want you to come with us on this raid so you can rescue the kids while we make the arrest. And so they're trying to build a case. So they show up and they're like, all right, one of our rescue agents gets, gets a girl and is talking to her and another one's talking to her over there and rescue agent happens to say, um, I want that one in exchange of money. And at this one, you're able to take them off the property and go wherever. So he takes her to a restaurant down the street. And he sits with Tala and he's asking her just some questions. And as you could tell, she's timid, not wanting to answer anything, doesn't trust anybody because she thinks she's just going to be abused again and have to go back and get abused multiple times anyway. She's not really opening up. And our rescue agent says, what kind of music do you like? And she answered, by saying, I like church music. And he said, really, tell me more about that. And so she began to feel comfortable enough to open up about her story, about how her dad had a good job, lost it. She grew up in church and she went to go find a good job, was told about a great job and was dece deceived. And it wasn't a great job at all because she was thrown into trafficking and that's now she's been living in that for months. And then she said these words right here. But I've been praying to God to send someone to rescue me. It just hasn't happened yet. And he said, Tala, I'm so-and-so and I work for an organization called Destiny Rescue. So he broke his cover, something we don't, don't do, don't do. But he knew in that moment she needed out and she needed out immediately. He said, my name is so-and-so and I work for an organization called Destiny Rescue and I am that person that God has sent to rescue you. And if you want free, I will rescue you right now and we won't even go back to that brothel. And of course she said yes. And four plus years later, Tala is still free. She's, being, she's been reunited with her family back in her village. She actually got a job at a call center, a good one, not the one that calls you about your car's extended warranty, but an actual, an actual good call center. And also, she is now the worship leader at her village church. And all of that is because the church decided to rise up so that kids can find freedom. I already told you, as I'm talking to you right now, it's nighttime there. It's in the middle of the night in Thailand. Kids are finding freedom right now. And this isn't more of a, this is a call to action, but this is a, also a, it's already happening. 
why don't you just jump on the bus with us and let's go continue to rescue kids? So rescuing one can cause a ripple effect in thousands of children finding freedom. Over a million children are still living in sexual exploitation right now. 13,000 rescued, over a million still waiting. And I believe every single person in this room, including myself, have been rescued to rescue. Every single person in this room, God has taken you from the darkness and brought you into the light using his people to do it. So maybe now it's time for, as his people, to let him use us so that kids that we may never meet, one day when we get to heaven, will come up and hug you with tears running down their face and say, because of you, I didn't have to live the rest of my life in captivity. This is a real issue that we like to just look past sometimes. And I know that it's a heavy subject, a dark topic to talk about, dark subject to talk about, but imagine how dark and hard it is to live in it on a daily basis. Children that have seen things that we could not even fathom. And they've seen it. So I'm thankful for this church and what you have already done. But I know in my conversations with Pastor Tracy this year and just coming again and being here and talking about the work that Destiny Rescue does and, and giving you a better understanding, a little bit longer of an understanding of what we do and how we rescue and where we rescue is so that we could realize we can make a global impact right here from Indiana and watch kids find freedom and live a life of freedom as a, re as a result of the church rising up. So I'm going to be here after service. I'll be at the table, and I'm just so grateful for you. Thank, you. thank you for listening this morning and wanting to hear more about Destiny Rescue. I would love to answer any questions you may, may have. I'll be in the lobby and um, would love to meet you. Again, my name is Jared Ballinger. I'm the Director of Church Engagement for Destiny Rescue, and I'm just honored to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Tracy. Thank you all. Appreciate it.